Hi, I'm Gruthi Shah, and this is my podcast, Have You Thought About? I'm a writer, journalist, and poet, and I love to find out about what passions people chase after in life, especially if they're then blending together skills in unusual ways. In each edition, I'm going to chat with someone I find particularly interesting, and someone who's managed to fit things together in their life or profession that you just might not think of as an obvious match. You're about to hear me chatting with Erica Benke, a freelance journalist who's based in Finland and loves storytelling. Hi, Erica. Now, you're a journalist. You live in Finland, um, originally from Hungary, via UK, lots of different places. But what is it about Finland that makes you want to settle there? I moved to Finland two and a half years ago after a 23-year career in the BBC newsroom in London. In the last two or three years, when I was still with the BBC, I started making lots and lots of films about Finland. So I would come here quite a lot to gather material for my stories. And I just sort of gradually started to feel that I'm a lot happier here than I was in London. The BBC has this wonderful thing called career break, a sabbatical. You can go away for a year, do something else, and they keep your job and then you can go back. And when I was kind of falling in love with Finland, I thought, if I take it, it has to be here. I took it. I came in the middle of the first wave of COVID. I came in the summer, in June 2020 instead, and I never looked back, to be honest. I was getting a bit fed up with life in London. I'm not a city person to start with. I love being in nature. I'm very outdoorsy. So I love running. I love skiing. I love swimming in fresh water or seawater. So where I am now, I just step outside of my house. And within a three-minute walk, I'm either on the seaside or if I go the other way, I'm in the forest. Forests here. Uh, kind of like, you know, you can walk and walk for 15, 20 minutes and you don't meet anyone. I was getting really fed up with, you know, commuting from my house to the BBC on the underground. It was not a very nice experience because, you know, any time of the day now, there's like a million people traveling with you. And I was usually squashed under somebody's armpit. And then the next day I would be coming to Finland to gather material for my next film when we have space, all the nature. And that I think that was the the biggest attraction. And the other thing is everything works here. You know, Finland Everything is just so well organized. You know, healthcare works a lot better than in London. Transport works, you know, the Wi-Fi almost always works. So it's just such an easy place to live because everything is just organized so well. I was going to say, Finland comes up in, in the most sort of happy places to live. However, it can't be perfect, right? There must be some challenges in terms of adjusting to a new life. Or is that something that you've got used to because you have crossed countries before? Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. You know, I've always been very a risk taker and I love challenges and I love going to new places. So that's kind of that's my personality. So, of course, that, that's made it a lot easier to, to adjust to a new life in Finland. But of course, it's not perfect. I mean, no country is perfect. Compared to the other countries that I lived in, this is the most perfect place for me to live in. I mean, one challenge that a lot of people talk about is obviously the weather. It's a cold country. The climate is quite rough in the winter for many people, but I don't mind at all. I love snow and ice and I love cold temperatures. And, you know, if the infrastructure is there, so if you have the right clothes, if you have the right boots, If you have winter tires on your car or I don't have a car, I only rent a car occasionally when I need one. But 
I go everywhere by bike here. We have snow on the ground in the city of Oulu, where I live, for five or six months in a year. But I can get anywhere by bike, even on the snowiest day, because maintenance is so good and the infrastructure for cycling is just perfect. They clean the bike paths first and the roads second. It's the climate, the darkness. So where I live in Oulu, we only have two or three hours of daylight in December because it's so close to the Arctic Circle. So we don't have full polar nights, as it were. So we do have a little bit of light even in in the middle of December, but it's a very kind of reluctant sun coming up. It's not really there. You know, you always have a feeling that your, you know, darkness is coming the next minute. So how do you get your vitamin D and everything the sun provides in those cold winter months? Most people take vitamin D supplements here. The way most people cope with it is that you go out, we have this window of opportunity, two or three hours during the day when there is light. When you leave the house, go for a run, go for a go skiing, go to the supermarket or do your chores. So just take advantage of that little window of opportunity that you have to soak up some daylight. A lot of people are affected by it, you know, in a bad way. I have Finnish friends who keep talking about their wives or husbands getting a bit depressed in November when when it's all coming and they realize that <laughs> it's another winter and On the other hand, it's coming up now, um, towards the end of April, we start to have extremely long days. So the sun never goes down really here in May and June. It, It does go down officially, sort of astronomically, for about two hours in June, but you don't notice it. So I live very close to the seaside, so in May and June, almost every night, I just go out to the beach and just admire the sun, which is still so high up, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. It's still really high up on the horizon, and it's just sort of refusing to go down. So we have both extremes, which I love. I mean, I still haven't got my head around it. It's just so amazing. How different is this to life having grown up in Hungary? But the biggest difference is... It's a very fair and very equal society here. So here, if you're a woman, if you're a foreigner, it doesn't really stop you from achieving anything or getting anywhere in life. And that is quite good. I can't tell you how it's sort of giving you wings. It makes you want to just do more and achieve more all the time. There's a very kind of progressive and supportive environment around you. So that's very different from Hungary or even the UK, I think. So that element of support collaboration is quite key to you, in which case I'm going to actually sort of segue on to you are a storyteller and you have covered a lot of different stories over your career and probably your career to come. Finland, of course, came from storytelling. But right now, what drives you when it comes to pursuing your curiosity that makes you think, actually, this is something that I need to tell the world about? But Finland is very much undercovered in the international media, although it's changing a bit now because of the NATO story. So Finland applied to join NATO after Russia attacked Ukraine. So that has been obviously in the international news over the last year. But other than that, not much. And that's such a shame because uh, Finland has so many stories that the whole world should know about because the Finns are doing things right in many, many, many areas of life, but they don't tell anyone about it. They're very shy. 
um, in general. So a very kind of humble boasting with your successes is kind of frowned upon here. So they are not very good at promoting their success stories. So that's what's driving me. You know, if I, if I see something absolutely amazing here, I, you know, I want to tell the world about it. Like last year, I did a big story about a new kind of battery, which sounds a bit tedious. It sounds very sort of scientific, but it has the potential to change all our lives. Basically, sand. It's made of sand and it's just lots and lots and lots of sand in a kind of a silo, a kind of a container. Ten tons of sand is the one that I saw. And so wind energy, storing green energy is a huge problem at the moment because like when the wind is blowing, we have too much. Oftentimes in Finland, they have to stop wind wind turbines when it's too windy because overnight there's very little consumption. So how to store the excess energy is a big question. This little Finnish startup has developed a solution which seems to be working and it's very cheap. So they basically put the electricity into this um, pile of sand, convert it into heat, thermal energy, and the sand stays hot, very, very, very hot for a very long time. And then when you need the energy, you just take it from the sand. It's a very, very simple solution but it seems to be working. It's any sand. It's not special sand. No, absolutely. So the, the best part of it that you don't even need quality sand. So they were using sand that's been rejected by the construction industry. So it was not even good for builders, but it's good. So this cheapest sand is good for making this battery. And they said that any sort of granule product that is not flammable would work under the same principle. So like they are looking at industrial byproducts or waste products or granule products. That's really fascinating because there's a lot of conversation and a lot of focus within from the UN, from the G20 on land degradation and land restoration. So to then understand that there are solutions potential solutions happening, which, as you say, could change the world. That's absolutely fascinating. But you're not a science specialist. So how did you take the confidence to take what could have been, as you say, quite a technical story, but then think, actually, no, this is something that is happening in Finland and be able to pitch it and pursue it and make it into something that got much wider attention? To be honest with you, it's true. I'm not a science specialist and I I approach this story with trepidation because I never paid any attention to physics or chemistry at school. I, I always have a list of potential stories and I put it on my list. And then weirdly, somebody from the BBC approached me about it. They said, hey, have you heard about it? I said, yeah, I actually have, and I've already spoken. So when I saw the story, I called them, and I just had a quick chat with, it's a very small company with about six people, so there are two bosses. And I spoke to one of them, and I found out a little bit about them, which which I really liked, that they are all very young, and it's still like a close-knit group of friends. They came from the same city in Finland. They were all doing athletics. So one of them is a sprinter, one of them is a triple jumper, and the, the third one is a discus thrower. <laughs> so it's like the school athletic teams comes together at the age of, you know, 20 something to, you know, one night in the sauna. They were sitting in the sauna and they were thinking, yeah, yeah, we should do something to, you know, to save the world. And they come up with this idea. <laughs> 
really fascinated by the backstory of the background of these people and not exactly the uh, how many kilowatt or megawatt hours of energy or electricity it stores as opposed to you know the alternatives we have so I was fascinated by the by the characters but that yeah. human element is what drives the story right that's what you and I also exactly. have chats about yeah the enthusiasm so I was I just could feel the passion and then when uh, this email came through from one of the BBC contacts that I have, I said, yeah, 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 of course I'll do it. I think many of my story ideas come from the Finnish press, of course. Like, I'm doing something now. I've just filmed a fantastic lady, an 82-year-old woman, who just received her black belt in Taekwondo, the Korean martial arts. And she's the oldest person in the world to earn a black belt. I mean, they, there are lots and lots and lots of other people in the world who are older than her, but they all got their belts when they were a lot younger. But she only started the sport seven years ago. She was taking her own grandchildren to to, to training sessions and she was like sitting on the sideline and looking what the children were doing. And the instructor went up to her and said, oh, would you like to join? And she said, no, 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 it's not for me. But then she asked again. And eventually she joined at the age of 75. Wow. And now at the age of 82, she's a black belt. And she was telling me that her balance and her flexibility improved hugely, but also her memory has improved. Because you need to remember all the movements. So, like, they have these patterns and lots and lots of different kind of movements and techniques. And she has to remember exactly what comes after what. So that has had a fantastic positive um, effect on her memory as well. So I just love stories like that. They're so inspirational, aren't they? You know, we're all going to grow old, probably. We all have parents and grandparents. We want them to be happy eh, when they are elderly and when they reach that stage in in life. But unfortunately, the reality is that most of us are not in uh, the best physical or mental shape after a certain age. And then if you see such a shining example of somebody just so full of life, so full of energy uh, and articulating her thoughts so clearly, that's just so inspiring. So I'm always on the hunt for inspiring stories and um, be it old age or climate change or you know fighting climate change or so you're looking forward to retirement at some point then in Finland if there is retirement I don't, know. I, I don't think about retirement you know and um, I, I think I think there's at least 15 20 years that I'd like to work and then when I retire I'm, I might I might, you know, I'm worried about climate change, really, because just I've been here for three winters and I I see some weird things. You know, we still have tons of snow and ice, but we had two kind of warm spells this year in January when the temperature went from minus 20 to plus four for a few days. And then, you know, it never happened in the first two years when I was here. So I... In about 20 years, I think um, I'd like to be even further north just to make sure I can enjoy winter. (laughs) So I'm thinking about maybe 
retraining as a reindeer herder and uh, move up to the, the very, very far north of Finland with a few reindeer. I could see you doing that, Erica. I actually mm. could see you doing that and then getting featured in the world's press about your career change. <laughs> the world's oldest reindeer herder retrained at the age of 70 or whatever. Well, yeah. then, you know, there's always there's always a market for reindeer herding, especially around Christmas, so you never know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I might start an Airbnb. It's probably a bit more realistic up north and people will come there because there won't be snow anywhere else at that point, I don't think, in Europe. Unless you go really, really far north. So that's my vague plan for retirement. And that was the wonderful Erika Benke, who brings together Finland, storytelling and much, much more. Do you have an interdisciplinary life? Because I would love to hear from you. And perhaps we can chat about that on this podcast that goes with my newsletter, which is called Have You Thought About? and can be found via www.dritishah.com. Please join me next time for a fun conversation with another guest who likes to shake up different elements of their life. Thank you to Rian Shah for the music for this podcast.